Please join me now in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, we're going to pick up in verse 15. Hear now the words of Jesus. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Let's hear that again. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. This sober warning comes just after the warning that Jesus gave us in verses 13 and 14 about the wide gate that leads to destruction. There Jesus told us in love to come to himself, come to the narrow way and watch out for another way, a broad way that would lead to ruin. And now we're warned about false prophets. These would be men who would promote and advocate for the wide gate. And by context here, we believe that Jesus here is particularly singling out the Pharisees. Though religious, these Pharisees had missed the narrow gate. They were teaching and modeling a kind of religion that was cold, external, unloving, unmerciful, did not have a heart for God, not faith in God as they should have had. And so here's an, an important reminder for all of us that you can be very religious and still be on the wide road that leads to destruction. Last time I gave you illustrations and application related to how we need to be careful about a hostile, aggressive, secular culture that pushes us away from the Lord. But I want you to consider this. Notice Jesus is calling out specifically spiritual deceivers. On the broad way that leads to destruction, there are many deceived religious people. So consider this, without a humble faith in Jesus Christ as your savior, you can be irreligious or religious and be on that same broad path that leads to destruction. You can be an atheist on your way to total loss, or you can be a theist on your way to total loss. Jesus says, beware of the false prophets. And so it's true, we should be on guard against the aggressively hostile secular culture that beckons us to come with them. But we should also beware of deceptive spiritual leaders. So there are secular and spiritual voices calling us to the broad way, but we have been called by our savior to him and to the narrow way. So watch out and avoid prophets and preachers of the wide gate. So let's take to heart this message from our Lord. First of all, beware of spiritual deception. Beware of spiritual deception. That word beware tells us there's danger, that all is not well, all is not safe. And it brings us to this reality of false prophets. The Lord would have us not be naive to the reality that there are deceivers. There are those who would like to trip you up and mislead you spiritually. Jesus calls them ravenous wolves. In other words, they do mean you harm and we should be on the alert. He calls them false prophets, people who would pretend to be God's spokesmen, but are not. So we know about false prophets. They have been around since the beginning. We look in the Old Testament and we see examples of these people who would say things like, thus says the Lord, but God never told them any of the things that they're, that they're saying. Jeremiah 23, 21 says this. Here's God speaking through his prophet. He says, I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. 
And so there have been plenty through the ages who have said they're speaking for God, but they're saying something the opposite of what God has truly said. We're even told in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, how to actually recognize a false prophet. First of all, if they point you away from the one true God, they're not God's prophet. And if the things they say are going to come to pass, don't come to pass, then they are no prophet of God. So we've seen them in the past, but Jesus warns us that we're going to see them in the future. In Matthew 24, verse 24, Jesus, speaking of the end times, says this, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So beware of false prophets. So as we apply this to ourselves, I want us to take heed and be on the guard against four categories of false teachers that we see in our time. And the first category we should be on the alert against is theological cults. We want to be on the lookout for theological cults. These will be groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses or like the Mormons. So it was in the 1800s where a man by the name of Joseph Smith claimed to be a prophet of God. Jesus alerted us that this kind of thing would happen. He claimed that God spoke to him and told him, don't join any of the denominations that exist, that God was going to use Joseph Smith to restore true Christianity. He also claimed, Joseph Smith did, that he unearthed these golden tablets and he translated them with special glasses. And, and there we have the book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. But listen, it's not true not a true prophet of God. This would be a false message. And so understand this, with the temple coming up down the street, uh, understand that Mormonism is not another Christian denomination. We don't look at our Mormon neighbors, though we love them as neighbors, we don't look at them as like the Methodists or like the Presbyterians. This is not another denomination. This is another religion. But it's very deceptive because they use a lot of the same terminology. Goodness, they talk about Jesus Christ. They talk about God. But let's just talk about some of these terms a moment. Just as we take heed Jesus' words to beware of false prophets. First of all, when our Mormon neighbors talk about God, they're not talking about the same God of the Bible. They will say so, but they will describe him as person, a, a God who was once a man who was then exalted to Godhood because of his good life. And that there are many gods, but we just deal with this God over this planet. When they talk about Jesus, he's not the, the triune son of God. He's not the second person of the Trinity. And when they talk about grace, they say things like this. You are saved by grace after all that you can do. Do you hear the difference? You're saved by grace after all that you can do. So you're saved by a lot of what you're doing and some grace. That is not the gospel that we find in the scripture. And then when it comes to salvation, our Mormon neighbors, they believe that salvation is to go to the highest level of heaven. You can become a God yourself. So it's been a number of years now. The last time Mormon missionaries came to my door but I remember the last time two young men came. And, and so I learned to do this. When the Mormons come to the door, I want to take the lead. I want to share good news with them because they don't have the gospel. And so I told these two young men, hey, I'm glad you're here. I want to share good news with you about how God can save you from your sins. It's a free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ if you'll trust in him. I said some things like that. Then one of the young Mormon missionaries said, we believe the same thing. And I said, well, actually you don't. Your gospel is different. Than ours. In fact, you believe that when you die, you can become a God. And he says, yes. 
I said, don't you have a scripture that says, God was as we are now, and as he is, we shall become. He said, yes, that's in the King James Bible. I said, no, that's not in the Bible. He said, yes, it is. I just read it the other day. I said, I don't want to argue with you, but that's not in the Bible. I read the Bible all the time, and that's not in the Bible. That's in your scriptures. And he said, no, it's there. And he was thumbing through his King James Bible. And I said, I tell you what, uh, why don't you find that and bring it back? You know where I, I live. You're, you're not going to find it, but, but you're welcome to come back and show me. Well, to his credit, he came back a few days later and said, Mr. Booth, you're right. It's not in the Bible, but it's still true. Oh, but it's not true. It's not true that you can live a, a certain life here where you're going to one day become a god of your own planet. That's Mormonism. That's a false teaching coming from a false prophet, Joseph Smith, and a line of false prophets after him. So, so what do we do with that? Well, first of all, let's pray for Mormon people. We love them. We want them to come to the truth of the true gospel. It's so deceptive, though, because of the family image that they have cultivated, the clean-cut young men coming to the door. But listen, don't be deceived. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Well, that's one category of false prophets, the theological cults, but also this one, theological liberalism. Theological liberalism. There are many liberal professors, liberal pastors in churches and historically Christian universities. Theological liberalism denies the accuracy and the authority of the Bible. They deny key doctrines like the deity of Christ, even the resurrection of Jesus, still calling themselves Christian and yet denying Christianity as it is. They'll emphasize following the example of Jesus in his kindness but no emphasis about the need to repent of sin and trust in Jesus. They've taken the gospel out of Christianity. This is liberal theology. R.C. Sproul distilled liberal uh, theological liberalism down to these statements. First of all, he says it's anti-supernatural. So they'll deny the Bible being supernatural and they will deny many of the miracles in the Bible. So it's anti-supernatural. It's secondly, anti-personal redemption. Again, no message of people turning from sin and trusting in Jesus as a personal savior. That message is not in theological liberalism. So it's anti-supernatural, anti-personal redemption. It's antinomian. In other words, it teaches rebellion against what God has said. So there are things in the Bible that theological liberals will say, we don't do that. We don't believe that. We don't think Paul was right there. And so they teach people to actually rebel against the things that God said. And then finally, R.C. Sproul said, it's anti-Christianity. When you're denying the actual foundations of the faith and the very clear biblical teachings, the gospel itself, this is hostile to Christianity. And these type of teachers are all over the place in the world. In fact, I encountered this for the first time on a youth trip. It was my own youth minister who on the bus told me, I don't know how he started the conversation, but he got around to saying this, you know, the Bible has errors. You can't trust all of it. I remember thinking as a new Christian, that was news to me. I'd never heard that before, but, but I thought he's a, he's a minister. He should know. And so as a teenage boy, I just believed him. And so I tell people I was theologically liberal for about two weeks. Thankfully, I parroted what my youth minister told me to my brother. And my brother, who was the main one who had led me to Christ, my brother said, no, Jim, the Bible's God's word. You can trust it. I think I must have shared it with one other friend because I know another friend told me essentially the same thing. No, Jim, the Bible's God's word. You can trust it. But that put me on guard. I was, okay, there are people who may call themselves pastors who will try to turn you away from a confidence in the scriptures. I wish I could tell you that was the last time I ever encountered theological liberalism, but in college, encountered it every day. So the college where Joy and I 
met, it was a school that had been started by Baptists, but had long since moved off of the Bible as their authority. And so in these classes, day after day, through the four years, these professors who were kind and warm, they would take shots at the Bible. And that's what made it so deceptive. I watched classmates be deceived by these very friendly, warm-hearted theological liberals. And so I remember one professor in his lecture, he just went out of his way to repeatedly talk about the myth of Adam and Eve. Other ones would talk about the contradictions in the Bible. I still remember one lecture where a history professor says, of course, the Bible's full of contradictions. And I'm 18 or 19, scared to death. My heart's pounding in my chest. I've got to say something. This professor's wrong. And for the sake of my classmates, I need to say something. And so I put up my hand and she called on me. I said, for example, I mean, she had just said the Bible's full of contradictions. And I just asked for an example. And here's what she said. She said, um, uh, well, the Bible's just full of them. But they were always taking their shots. They were against the miracles of the Bible. Those didn't really happen. This was the whole mood. It was the whole tone. It was the, the agenda of these professors to cast doubt and skepticism on the Bible. Even in the churches around my college town, when I couldn't get a ride to a better church outside of town, if my car had broken down, uh, I would go to the local church there, a Baptist church, and it was sad. It was dead. And, and so the preacher wouldn't preach from the scriptures he would quote Thoreau or Emerson or Shakespeare, and it was lifeless. And that's what they had instead of the scriptures. Listen, the, Jesus says to us, beware of the false prophets. They're going to come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Well, another category for us to watch out for is just as we apply Jesus' words here, as we want to watch out for the prosperity gospel and the word of faith movement. These are these preachers that we oftentimes see on TV where they use phrases like, well, I'm going to believe God for this, or I'm going to confess this, or I want we can manifest this with our words, or we're looking for increase. They have their little buzzwords here, but they believe that they're, they have power in their words to make things happen. Some of these teachers are men like Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn and many, many, many others in this word of faith, prosperity, gospel movement. Listen to this description. At the heart of the word of faith movement is the belief in the force of faith. It is believed words can be used to manipulate the faith force and thus actually create what they believe scripture promises, health and wealth. Laws supposedly governing the faith force are said to operate independently of God's sovereign will and that God himself is subject to these laws. This is nothing short of idolatry. Turning our faith and by extension ourselves into God. It's a false teaching and we need to be on guard. Men who call themselves pastors are peddling this and we need to be on guard. Our Savior would have us do this. These word of faith prosperity preachers, one of their favorite things is to talk a lot about seed. And what they mean by seed, they're talking about money and they want you to seed that, plant that money into their ministry. And they promise you that if you do that, you're going to get miracles. Now, one of my favorite gross examples of this is a man by the name of Mike Murdoch. Watched him one time. Joyce asked me, why are you watching that? I, it was like a train wreck. I couldn't look away. It was so bad. The theology was so bad and so obviously bad. It was, it was almost entertaining. And so I watched this guy and this was the, this was the, terrible moment on top of lots of terrible moments. When he said to the people out there, he says, that credit card that puts you into bondage, that credit card 
can be the means to set you free. And he went on to say, you can put a seed of faith. You can seed $300 using that same credit card. You got all that debt from your decisions. You can get out of it if you make a donation on that same credit card into his ministry. So obviously false, but yet he's on television. Must be many people falling for that. And yet Jesus said, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But listen, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. One more category that we should be on the alert against in our time is the new apostolic reformation. And there are people like Paula White. There's a man by the name of Sid Roth who has these people on his program all the time and many, many others. And they claim they've recovered the biblical offices in our day of the apostle and the prophet. And so you have many self-proclaimed prophets, self-proclaimed apostles. They can just put these labels on themselves. It sounds impressive. And they claim to have words from God, but they do not. In fact, very recently, a number of them have been really exposed because they were so confident with their prophecies. And they were prophesying that our previous president was going to have a second term immediately. And they, were, they would say things. God told me. I saw it very clearly. And they were pronouncing and they were very excited about this, what they were proclaiming. And of course, none of that has come true. So there are false prophets. There are false teachers in our day. Some years ago now, Joy and I were visiting one of her relatives, and one of her relatives went to a church that was more charismatic, and they would have uh, people get up and just share a word that they believed was coming from God. And so I never knew what to do with that. I mean, I'm open. Think, look, I know God could do that, and God can do anything he wants to do. But when a person would get up and speak, and this is what God says, thus says the Lord, you know, I'd listen to it, and if it was not terribly unbiblical, the best I could give it was this. Maybe, maybe, maybe God told him to say that. That's all I could give it. You certainly couldn't build your life on something somebody else tells you. Maybe that's just emotion. Maybe, maybe they just, maybe they're making it up. I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's just maybe. Compare that with the sure word of God. We have the scriptures. We can build our lives on the scriptures that God has inspired and preserved for us. And so let's be on guard. In fact, this isn't the only place we're warned about this. Again, Matthew 24, listen to Jesus. This is verse three and following. See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Second John verse seven, many deceivers have gone out into the world. Second Peter two, verses one through three. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Paul warned the Colossians, Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Paul warned the Ephesian believers in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 and following. Listen to this. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now listen to this. 
I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul warned the Roman believers, Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. Listen, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. So hear that. You could be led astray by somebody who seems sincere. They have smooth and flattering speech, but we must beware. We must be on guard. So beware of false teachers, ravenous wolves, who would beckon you away from the narrow gate, Jesus, from the narrow way that he has taught us, that way of discipleship. Beware of anybody who would lead you elsewhere. And so Jesus says, beware, but he also says, be careful. Be careful to discern. And that's what we see next. And we'll do this quickly. Verses 16 and following. Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Jesus here calls us to be very careful to be those who would discern what we hear. When we were growing up, our mothers told us, hey, watch out for strangers. Sometimes they told us, don't talk to strangers. What they were trying to tell us is there are people who would like to hurt you. They're going to pretend to be nice. So we, when we were kids, we thought, well, stranger, stranger is going to look scary. But in reality, the most dangerous people are those who look kind, but they have a devious motive. They want to harm you. They're going to trick you. And so we think about those people who would harm a child. They're, they're not going to act scary. They're going to say, hey, could you help me find my puppy? My, my puppy's lost. And, and that disarms a child. And so that's why we, we warned them. Not long ago, we hosted a training here to protect children from child predators. And so every church needs to be on guard. And the person leading our training let us know this. Again, you're not looking for a scary looking person. That's not who you're on the lookout for. The, the really effective, devious child predators, they do a great job of grooming a church before they ever start grooming a child to do them harm. They come along and try to earn the trust of the leaders. And those who hurt many, many children over time, they're very, very good at it. They look like the ideal volunteer. It'd be difficult to tell them apart from the very good volunteer. When I was hearing that, I thought, well, how in the world do you tell the difference? And I'm grateful he continued teaching. He talked about one of the things you're looking for is this. So a good volunteer in a children's ministry or student, uh, student ministry, when they see a child on the fringes, maybe they don't fit in, they're on the fringes, a good volunteer, a godly volunteer tries to get the kid on the fringes into the group. But the devious one, which you want to watch out for, is the person who sees the kid on the fringes and tries to isolate that kid. Maybe he says, well, I'm going to mentor this one. I, I'm, I'm going to take a special interest in this one and spend time with them outside of the group. There's a danger sign. But until they start making their moves, it may be difficult to tell. Jesus says, there are wolves who are dressed up in sheep's clothing. So how does Jesus say to recognize them? Notice what he said. You'll recognize them. It'll be obvious 
by their fruit. So it's not by their talent or charisma. Oh, listen, the deceivers have a lot of talent many times, a lot of charisma, but very little truth. Don't be swayed by their charisma. Listen, Jesus didn't say, look at their emotion or look at their empathy. Listen, don't be misled by somebody who has a little mist in their eye, a little catch in their throat. Boy, they, they seem so sincere, but they could be sincerely wrong. Don't be, don't be fooled by that. Neither can we look at their titles. Well, he's a pastor. He couldn't be wrong. He's a doctor. He's a professor. He's a chaplain. Maybe, maybe, but that's not what makes you put down your guard or any other label, or they call themselves Christian, they call themselves Baptist, they, they, this is a ministry. Listen, there, there are wolves in sheep's clothing, and neither should we be gullible to those on these platforms, like so-called Christian TV, or even in a church. There are counterfeits out there promoting the broad way that leads to destruction. So what is this fruit we should be looking at? First of all, we should look at the person's lifestyle. Anybody who would teach you spiritual truth, you should be looking at their lifestyle. Here Jesus describes what lifestyle we should all be pursuing. We all fail at it, but we should be pursuing a lifestyle here described by the Sermon on the Mount that we've been walking through over these months. Is the person who's teaching you aspiring to and showing signs that they're attempting by God's help to walk this narrow road described in the Sermon on the Mount? Do they meet the qualifications of a spiritual leader that we see in places like 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1? If they don't meet those qualifications, we have no business listening to anything they have to say on spiritual matters. Or we can look for the fruit of the Spirit, not just gifts of the Spirit, somebody who has a lot of flash and speaks with a lot of authority, but we're looking for the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, things like love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We're looking for that. This is evidence of a life that's bearing the right kind of fruit. So are you seeing Christ's likeness in the person who's teaching you? Or are you seeing rebellion? So often those who have a counter message than what God has said, they're teaching you and promoting immorality. What God calls sin, they're saying it's not sin, it's a false teacher. Or they're promoting greed, or they're promoting their own ego, their arrogance, or their power. So look at their lifestyle. That's how we judge the fruit. And us also, as we take to heart Jesus' words here, we want to look at their teaching. This is their fruit. What are they teaching? Are they affirming what God has revealed in the Bible? Or are they casting doubt on what God has said in the Bible? Are they leading you to put childlike faith in Jesus alone? Or are they teaching you to put your faith in something or someone else or some other source of truth than the Bible? Is what they're teaching consistent with biblical truth or is it at odds with God's revelation? Is it some novel teaching that you've never heard before and he claims he has that word? Listen, don't follow that. Or maybe it's an overemphasis on just one of the doctrines of the Bible to the exclusion of all the other parts of the Bible, then also be on guard. So how do you guard yourself? How do you test this fruit like this? You need to be in the word of God yourself. Listen to what we read in 2 Timothy 3 verses 13 and following. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. Here it is, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing, that, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture 
is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So here's our defense, and God has given it to us. Take up your Bible. Know your Bible well. Learn to handle it well and use it to discern everything that you are taught. So daily, consistently meet with God in prayer. Meet with God in his word so that you'll know him, you'll know truth, and you'll more quickly and readily recognize and turn away from error. So let's close this way with us testing ourselves here. Test yourself. Have you already been misled? Maybe you've been listening to bad teachers or you have in your life. Test yourself. Have you believed a false gospel? So if I asked you, are you sure you know God? Are you sure you're going to heaven when you die? And you say, yes. And if you were to say this, yes, because I'm a good person. I try really hard. I try to live by the golden rule and I just try to do good stuff. Why wouldn't God want me in heaven? If you have an answer like that, you have already been misled. And here's good news. You can turn away from that and go, oh, that's not the gospel. No, it's not by our works that we're saved. It's not by our goodness. The Bible says there's no one good, not even one, that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need somebody other than ourselves to rescue us from our sin. We need somebody other than ourselves to cleanse us. And the only one who can do it is Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross to cover our sins, to make atonement for our sins. So all of our faith is in Jesus. None of our faith in ourselves, none of our faith in our works. We're trusting only in Jesus. So test yourself. Have you believed the true gospel? You put your faith only in Jesus. Another way to test yourself. Are you walking on the narrow road? Are you saying, I have put my faith in Jesus and all I want to do is follow Jesus. I want to be a faithful disciple. And I read the Sermon on the Mount and I realize it's beyond me. Who can live by the Sermon on the Mount, these things? But I want to. I want the Spirit of God to live this life through me. And when I fall, I want to get back up and pursue Jesus. Are you on that narrow road? Or are you a Pharisee? Where you think, I know I'm good because of how good I am. I'm, I'm righteous because I try to be good. And I look down on other people. Repent of that. Trust in Jesus with a humble, childlike faith. And then this final word. Are you a false prophet? Are you a false prophet? And I don't mean that offensive, but I mean this. If you have believed things contrary to the Bible and you've been telling other people things like this, well, I know the Bible says this, but I think you have become a false teacher. If you can look at what God has said and you teach other people, maybe you teach your children something opposite of what God said, or you, you at work just spread things that are not biblical, you actually are that false teacher. You think, but I mean well. Nevertheless, ravenous wolf. And then this, maybe you're your own false teacher. If the things you tell yourself in your own head are not biblical, you are doing damage to your own soul as a false teacher in your own life. So the things you say to yourself, the things you think about you, what, what you say about you is different than what God says about you or what you allow yourself to do that's contrary to God, then you are speaking untruth into your life. You've become a false teacher. But again, we'll end with good news. Oh, God would beckon us to himself, to the narrow gate, which is himself, to experience forgiveness, to experience life and peace and purpose and truth. Let's all pivot and turn to Jesus. Let me lead us in prayer.